What's going on? My name is Tyson McGuffin. This is The McGuffin Show. We're on episode 22 here. Uh, living the dream in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Orlando PPA. Amateurs not being happy about the rain, all, all the rain taking place. Uh, also going to talk about US Open Finals. Uh, Seahawks APP ATL this weekend. This gentleman named Chet Subaru. I have no idea who that guy is, but he kicked my ass over the weekend. <laughs> and uh, Meg is due any day. It could be any minute. It could be any hour. So we are uh, patiently waiting here in, in the studio. So I might have to take over the podcast. If Watch out. Watch out. And we're <laughs> going to talk about Drake's new album called Certified Lover Boy. K-Mac, what's up, buddy? How's it going, man? You know, it's going. It's going. It's, it's going. going. Uh, I'm jealous, man. You got to go to Orlando and be on the, the tennis channel. That's a big deal Come for the sport. Live That's... on the tennis channel. Historic moment. Congrats. Historic Congrats, moment by the way. Good, PB. good tournament. Good tournament. Too bad uh, Ben also kicked my ass. Yeah, what's he doing there? Ben, he, 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 just, just, just get out of pickleball. Just stay you know, home. I mean, for go, God's sake. Be an engineer already. Come on. Right, right. <laughs> Use that bright brain of yours. Um, but uh, yeah, had all the you know had all the top dudes there. Uh, played at the USTA training campus. Uh, super cool, I guess. Madison Keys is very consistent uh, with uh, with training there, and there's a lot of uh, U.S. Americans uh, that uh, both men and women that uh, train out of there. But um, yeah, killer venue. I don't know how many tennis courts there are, but uh, but there's plenty. Um, High-level juniors train out of there. Uh, pro tennis players train out of there, and um, so yeah, you have all the high-level tennis stuff. While we were there, there was like a USTA sectional event going on, so they have USTA league stuff going on in there. Uh, I would assume uh, any sort of tennis event can can take place there. But uh, um, yeah, they had paddle tennis. They had ten and under tennis courts. Uh, they had dedicated pickleball courts. Um, they had a little cafe. All, all the players were uh, using the cafe, obviously during during the rain delays. But the cafe kind of cool. They had a bunch of TVs and stuff, so we could uh, we could watch pro tennis and and um, uh, check all that out. But uh, yeah, killer venue, killer venue. Uh, how was the uh, how was the turnout? Were there quite a few fans? People kind of roaming the grounds there a little bit. Or? Yeah, I would say there. Uh, probably not until Championship Sunday. Okay, picked uh, up a little. Yeah, picked up a bit more. Um, as we all know, on that Thursday, uh, we call it Singles Ghost Thursday, baby. <laughs> singles Ghost Thursday. There's not a soul there. If Singles wasn't lonely enough, right? Everybody's no burning, yeah. right, right. If Singles wasn't lonely enough, everybody's burning the gas tank, and there's not a soul there to watch. Uh, it's kind of funny. There's this gal. Uh, her name's Nancy. Uh, what is Nancy's last name? I can't remember. Uh, anyhow, Nancy was in my camp uh, in Orlando three years ago. And she's been to a couple of other tournaments, and she always brings a cowbell. And oh, nice. actually, who was there over the weekend, and she was there on Thursday, and she was cheering her man on. Uh, Nancy, uh, if you're watching this podcast episode, you are a badass, and I truly appreciated that cowbell <laughs> all weekend. It was loud. It was very obnoxious. Got, gotta have more cowbells. Gotta have more cowbells. Could use a little more cowbell. Nancy was working that cowbell. <laughs> she was. She was. She was. But... Um, it was hot. It was hot, and apparently, you know, with uh, with it still being summer uh, in September there in Orlando, uh, it generally tends to rain, uh, you know, late late afternoon, and so 
Um, yeah, it was brutally hot uh, all four days. Uh, it was super humid and was extremely hot. And with all that came some rain. But yeah, or Orlando, uh, killer killer venue. Um, we we definitely had some fans on Championship Sunday, and uh, obviously to have tennis on there was uh, super cool. Um, K Mac, if you were watching, it was kind of cool to. Uh, the intro or the entrance or the beginning of, of each match, they had the players like walk out of the locker rooms. They had the camera crew right there. Nice. Like they had you kind of walk in out of the locker rooms, like onto the court. So it was kind of cool. Um, uh, I was yeah. wondering, you know, how long it would be before, you know, the tennis channel would, would pick up some pickleball just because so many people have, you know, they're, they're big into pickleball now started with a tennis background and there's so much crossover. I'm, I'm glad to see it's going in the, going in the right direction. Yeah. 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 So definitely, Historic day for 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 pickleball. Um, it had rained on that Sunday. It rained from like noon to two, and the women's singles were supposed to start at noon, and so that got pushed back. Um, but it went women's singles, men's doubles, women's doubles, men's singles, and then mixed. Uh, my match, unfortunately, uh, my mom, my mother was not very happy about this. Uh, her her uh, boy, her youngest boy, finally got to. Uh, be seen on the tennis channel and only about a game and a half was live and then they cut it out and turned to the uh, men's tennis match. U.S. Open coverage. Yeah. yeah. yeah did, Too bad. Did a little replay. Darn rain. Um, but, but the mixed, unfortunately, did not get any of their match mm. on tennis channel and so it was live on YouTube and live on the PPA Facebook page. Um, but, um, yeah, super cool. I, I think there's a lot of people that, that definitely tuned in. Uh, looking at the camera angles and the camera production, uh, it was very, very high level. Yeah. Some of the close-ups, some of the graphics, uh, they added in some stats. Uh, they did a good job with the uh, player interviews um, when I uh, was there for singles on Thursday. They had a couple of the uh, top players uh, meet at the venue and work with a videographer and do some fun interviews that uh, the Tennis Channel could use. So I was uh, happy to be a part of that. But, that uh, and I think that's a pretty big deal. I remember a couple years ago, uh, Nationals, watching you. I think you played Loom in the finals of the singles where ESPN had the coverage. And, you know, you hear the criticism of, you know, people within the pickleball world saying, well, you know, how how fun is it to watch, you know, on, on TV? And I think when you get the higher level cameras like the ESPN and the Tennis Channel, I think that gives you a, a you know, a slice of what it could be, right? Yeah. Which is really exciting because it really, when the production value is better, it heavily, to me, uh, improves the, you know, the watching experience for, for us at home. Yeah. And one camera in particular that was super cool, uh, there was a dude with this little device and he was moving his camera around, but it was like a bird's eye view mm. camera from the, from the kitchen and he was able to move it. And so that's, that, that's the first time in pickleball yeah, where I've seen, one. I've seen somebody, I've seen bird's eye, obviously from the baseline. That's, that's the, uh, most mainstream view that we see. Uh, it really doesn't do pickleball justice when you see it from that view. It's tough to see the art and dinking right, and right. tough to see the spin yep. and, and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, for the, for the tennis channel to kind of have that uh, wide angle bird's eye kind of moving around and floating. And then with the close-ups, um, with the player close-ups, I thought, I thought it was a nice little touch. Um, they also had, it was kind of cool, they had this like, uh, they had this camera moving laterally uh, right behind the court. And it like moved side to side and it was very consistent. Um, anyhow, there's just a lot going on. And I thought they did a very good job of, of highlighting 
um, highlighting the production in a much higher level or, you know, higher level way. Um, so I ended up flying in Monday night, um, flew there with my wife and Banks, uh, got there Monday night, got all checked into the hotel, uh, practice Tuesday, Wednesday. I have to tell this story. Um, so Tuesday it's brutally hot and, uh, you know, share bear, or I call him Sherbert <laughs> Sherbert. Uh, Sherbert is usually my go-to dude. Um, like I mentioned in episode 21, I like to, uh, if it's a tier one or, or, or a tier two and it's championship Sunday, uh, it's always the same format. Singles is Thursday, mixed doubles is Friday, and then genders on Saturday. So, uh, I usually show up Monday night, uh, train, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'll play singles Tuesday morning. I'll play singles Wednesday morning. I'll try to get a double session in Tuesday afternoon. So um, could not get a dub session in Tuesday. Um, so I just uh, played with Sherry. We played a little later in, in the day because we thought we'd try to test test our lungs and test our physique uh, in in the uh, uh, ex- extreme temperatures. Anyhow, we, <laughs> how'd that go? <laughs> we ended up playing from like 11 to 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, w- within like 15 minutes, I'd already sweated through my shorts and my socks are like dripping wet. Anyhow, after about an hour and a half, Sherry uh, is hyperventilating and choking on his lung. I was seeing stars. Anyhow, after that first session, uh, you know, we're like stretching on the side of the court and, and we're thinking, we're talking about where we're gonna do cryotherapy or where, where we're gonna get an IV or whatever. Uh, anyhow, as I'm like, as I'm sitting there stretching, having a conversation with Sherry, like I was seeing stars and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, gosh, like it's going to be a long freaking weekend. Yeah. I mean, no, if, sure. it, if it stays as hot, um, it's going to be a very long weekend. Luckily, woke up Wednesday, practice Wednesday morning, felt a lot better. It's always just that first day. You know, it's always that first day. And it's like getting comfortable with, with suffering and just getting comfortable with how much you're going to sweat, how hot it's going to be, how slow the ball is going to be. But once you swallow all that down and you kind of understand where you're at and, and what you're going to put your body through, uh, it tends, That's why I think it's tends so, to get a little easier. Yeah, it's so important to have the professional routine like you have because the conditions are always just a little bit different at each location. And if you can get acclimated, it just gives you a much, much bigger advantage. Now, I know um, I don't think it's comfortable for anybody playing in the hot, muggy conditions, but you put such you know pride in your fitness. Do you feel like you know, when you're in those conditions, it gives you a little bit of an edge or do you feel like an extra bit of confidence when you're uh, going against, you know, against people that you feel like you are the just the fitter athlete? Yeah, no, for sure. I think yeah, that, that's why I do the stuff in the gym is because I can go to these venues where it's extremely hot or it's humid and I can trust my fitness. I can trust, right. uh, you know, playing well in those longer matches. Um, you know, I can, I can uh, uh, trust the fitness and I think, uh you know, with, with going to locations like that, with it being humid, the the ball slowed down a lot more. Um, you know, the points are a little scrappier. There's a lot more defense. And so with that, you're playing longer points. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I definitely keep that in my back pocket. So how did you feel? Uh, so so played Thursday, singles. Yep. Yep. Um, I can't remember who you played in the early rounds. Any... Yeah, uh, actually, let's yeah definitely on. mention yeah. somebody. Uh, Spencer Smith, to talk about a guy with some upside, just beat yep. Ben at, um, uh, Ben's not going to like me saying that, but just beat Ben at uh, TOC in a uh, backdrop match, beat him 16-14, and then played me in, in, in the bronze. I beat him in three. So I played him again um, in the winner's bracket quarter, uh, beat him in three. Uh, 
It was 11-8 in the third, and I would say uh, if there's one thing that I see differently about Spencer's game, he's just much more athletic. Like, he's moving better. Looks he's like extending points a he's, little he, bit more. He's, yeah. well, he's coming in a lot more, too. I mean, okay. I mean, shoot, for the first you know year and a half that I was playing him in singles, he was staying back. He was right. hitting a return and staying back. Completely like tennis, yeah. Uh, all, your, all you viewers should know that, uh, yes, you can stay back to a certain degree, but, um, gosh, it's, it is so much easier to defend at the net uh, than it is just to stay back and try to put on a highlight reel and, and pass off your back foot. I mean, there has to be, there has to be some some other ways to uh, to kind of work around that. But anyhow, I mean, Spencer for the first year and a half tried to stay back and just pass, and, and I mean, he was still beating you know pl- plenty of good people yeah. and, and plenty yeah. of guys kind of in that in that top ten. But I think what he's soon found out is that it takes a lot of pressure off of his passing shots. It takes a lot of pressure off of his offense if he can come in on the return and just stick a few volleys, you know, and be able to have some variety with his with his volleys. Um, and so, yeah, it just kind of seemed like over the last, I don't know, six months or so, he's coming in a lot more. Uh, he's uh, uh, coming in quicker. Uh, seems like he's very athletic at the net. He's able to use his hands. Um, he used... Uh, use the dump volley well against me. I would try to pass. He would he would volley and kind of move me around. And then when I dropped, he was able to kind of use a little soft dumpy volley um, off of my drop. Anyhow, it kept me honest, kept me moving laterally, but also kind of kept me honest with that with that short one. Um, so I think yeah, I think he's he's playing a lot better. Well, I think um, so. I've played Spencer a couple times, and he's he's beat me pretty handily both times. So I've been impressed. Uh, with his game, I was always frustrated because this was about six months ago, and I was expecting him to return and stay back, and he didn't. He came in, <laughs> and I'm like, well, crap, why don't you do this yeah, against it's a, everybody? It's a different Spencer. Um, no, for sure, but I think it's one of those things where his doubles game has come along a lot in the last yeah. six months to a year, and some of the shots you're talking about, being able to play the dump volley and use a little bit more touch, doubles can help your singles game. Singles can help your doubles game. They both really do True. help each other in, in a variety of ways, and so... Uh, it's good to see him him on the scenes yeah, no, and kind of using the ability. I'd heard a rumor He's like guy. like he six is. months ago, you know, that people were saying that he had said well, he th- thought maybe he was done with singles, which I thought was uh, definitely too early given yeah, yeah, for sure. what he brings to the table, yeah. you know, as a singles player. And he was a very very accomplished high level tennis player um, as yeah. far as as I know. So and uh, yeah, I I heard that in juniors he was like top twenty in the country in boys eighteens. Uh, I believe he played n- number one. I could be totally wrong. I'm pretty sure he played number one for uh, BYU. Yeah, but uh, and uh, him and Loom battled in juniors back and forth. Yeah, and, and as yeah. far as I know, Spencer at least in singles always. Uh, got the got the better of Lung, so and and tennis, 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 yeah, 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 tennis, yeah, yeah for yes. sure. I, I think he was a better tennis player for yep. sure. Yep. Um, I actually just uh, spent some time with Lung during a rain delay in Orlando and talked to that man for a while. Uh, interesting cat, but always always like my conversation. He's a sharp guy. He is a very sharp guy. Um, so a, a, a fun little fact that you guys probably don't know about Spencer Smith is that he used to go to festivals, and I used to go to festivals, and... Uh, oh, uh, I, oh, yeah, I know. That. I did not uh, know that, all right. And Rob Nunnery is going to appreciate this, but uh, something that Spencer told me was rave to the grave, baby. That was that, okay. was, that was one of his lines, little, rave little to life, the grave. Life motto. He used to stomp the <laughs> dance floor, stomp it down. <laughs> Huh? Oh, I feel like Come I need, on. I feel like I need to see this. I need to see. I told Nunry, I'm like, I need to see that man's feet working on the dance floor. I need to see it. Oh yeah. Okay. Huh? You can tell he's got just a little a little chip, a little chip oh, yeah. on his shoulder. I, I love to see that. I love right. to see that. Uh, 
but uh, rave to the grave. Rave to he, the grave. He, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we were like messaging back and forth on Instagram, and we're talking about festivals and stuff. And and he had used that phrase, and I, I just, <laughs> I, I could not swallow that down. It was too funny. Yeah, rave to the grave. I think um, we, I think we have to start hanging out with the uh, with Spencer. Spencey, we got to see the other Spencey, side off the court. Spencey, the dangerous man. <laughs> no, you said nunnery. Was nunnery a? No, 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 no. no, no. no. Okay. I, I don't know how nunnery got involved. Say, that one would have been no, harder no, for me no. to see. But no. <laughs> uh, talking about nunnery, if you guys get a chance, check out the Freestyle Boys podcast on Spotify, and they're actually starting to do. Um, some of their podcast uh, filmed, and they have nice. they have like one or two episodes uh, on Ben's YouTube channel. He's written a couple of uh, of articles about kind of the the challenges of, yeah. of the the he's, pro he's game. Done, and he's done a very good job. Made some about very good suggestions yeah. on on changes that could be made. So if you haven't, uh, give those a read. He's a very very uh, sharp and articulate uh, articulate person. And uh, he uh, uh, mentioned that on his Instagram and on his Facebook page. So yeah, definitely check that out. Um, trying to think, yeah. So, um, or just talking about Orlando again. Um, so yeah, so played played singles on that Thursday. Uh, Jay had beat me the last two times that we played in singles. So you know, over the last couple of weeks that I've been home training, I've definitely kept that in the back of my head. <laughs> uh, made sure to to kind of uh, continue ticking by. You know, I, I think that that definitely helps me train and definitely helps me. Stay motivated at home is keeping losses in the back of my head. Just kind of, you know, help me stay hungry, help me get in the gym a little quicker, uh, give me some more motivation when I'm, you know, in rec play or whatever. But uh, uh, lost to Jay the last two times and lost to him in three. Lost a heartbreaker uh, at the Newport Takea Showcase. Uh, lost 11-8 in the third. And this particular time, uh, played really well, ended up uh, winning the first game 11-4, and then I'm down 1-7 game two. I think I brought it back to, um, I don't know, like 3-7 or something like that, and then we had a rain delay. After the rain delay, I uh, brought my brought my best stuff, found the forehand, served. Uh, I don't, K-Mac, I uh, don't know if you looked at my serve, but it's a little different. I was going to say, it seems like you changed your going stance, open stance. stance. Is yeah, it just yeah. on the left? No, 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 no. Both on the right and on the left. Okay. So why is because I felt like with, you know, with my stance being closed, also too, I'm just trying to just add, add a bit more to my game. Yeah, and yeah. Keep trying to be innovative and and uh, add some more tools and and obviously not not stop learning. But uh, yeah, so I just felt like with my close stance, um, my my weight was going to my left, and I wasn't able to get the right shape that I was looking for. Gotcha. And um, yes, I've been serving okay, but I felt like I could I could get better shape, I could get better depth if I can add in some more hips. And so just with my stance being closed on the serve, I felt like my like my right hip was a little limited mm -hmm. because after I serve, my right foot actually would like come back behind me and would and would uh, actually end up back behind my body. And so all my weight was going to my left. Mm. And so I'm, I'm watching film and I'm watching myself play and I just realized that I'm really not like accelerating my right hip on my surf and most of my weight is going to my left. So the next day uh, at, at practice, ended up going out, opening up my stance, uh, still have the platform effect. I'm not moving my feet, mm -hmm. my feet are very stationary, but 
I'm starting with my hand position and my tossing arm obviously off to my right. My my hips are facing at the box. And then from there, I'm just getting like a little coil and then I'm exploding that right hip. What I found out is that I'm able to get better shape. I'm able to get better height. Granted, I'm not hitting it as big. It doesn't have as much pace. Okay, that's what I was gonna but, ask. But it's dancing a bit more. It's got some more shape. And I think from a serving standpoint, uh, viewer tip, um, it's not about how, how much pace is on your serve. It's about the location and it, and it's about the activity, uh, when it, when it bounces. And so with what, uh, with what I'm seeing with my open stand serve, I'm seeing more activity. I'm seeing Mm -hmm. more, more dance and more kick up. And with that, uh, it's, it's coming with just a lot more height. And so it's forcing the returner to have to take a half volley. It's not as predictable and it's getting up in some uncomfortable spots on the returner. Uh, in which when I was serving in a close stance, it was just kind of staying down and it wasn't jumping. It was up. more flat. Do you feel like you're able to hit all the spots a little yeah, better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, for yeah. me, who I'm a little bit more closed, I know when I'm serving on the right, the more challenging serve for me is to serve out wide. Yeah, because right. it's more, you catch of a, it early. more of a rotation. Yeah, yeah for right? sure. Right? Right? So you yeah. feel like you lose some power, yeah. some consistency in that twist. So yeah, it just shows that there's not one way. That, yeah, you know, that's what way. we teach. We're always experimenting, making changes, uh, sometimes in my case, making changes and realizing that was bad and going back to old faithful <laughs> abort. But if you're not, uh, not trying to be innovative, you know, with the sport as young as pro pickleball, you might be left behind. Continue trying new things have because, to. Have to. uh, we've only found a little slice of this game. There is so much more out there that, uh, that everybody's trying to find. Yeah. I've said it for a while. I mean, the game five years from now. I mean, I'm sure it's going to look similar in a way, but it's going to look dramatically different in a few areas. And just we don't know exactly what that's going to be yet. But I guarantee I no you there's going to be some some major tactical, you know, the way people win is going to be a little bit different five years from now than it is today. Just like it was different five years ago from the way it is now. It's true. It's true. Um, something I, I talked about, uh, Cal, don't know if you watch Gucci Z uh, beat up on everybody uh, at APP Chicago, but... Did you see what his damage did to Michelle Esquivel in that gain to 15? Well, just I, I read, I didn't actually watch it, but I read on the forum there was a post about it. So I read some of the stats and that she really struggled just even getting the return. She was back not in play. happy about it. And she, uh, and I saw her, her comment on it. You know, oh, it didn't yeah. seem like she's a, a big fan of She the, is the not a believer. Serve. You know, she's not a not, believer not a in the old and, chainsaw. And I've, you know, I've been on the fence about it. I'll be honest, maybe lately I've started, uh, you know, zing, zing. About it. lately I've, I've <laughs> added it to my game. <laughs> and maybe tell, I'm biased now, tell us, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, tell, well, tell, so I've, I've just used it a couple of times. Uh-huh. So I was playing with Leia yesterday and, and used it. And I will say this, it is way more of an advantage and a weapon to me in singles than doubles. Because if you can get your opponent moving laterally and getting their weight moving side to side, singles, you know, where it's so important to get a good return, get your weight moving through contact and getting, you know, a... Uh, close to the net by the time you have to hit your first volley, if you're a couple steps slower, it just increases the size of the target for uh, for the person, the server hitting passing shots just dramatically. So I actually had a lot of fun. It's very something I've just barely started using in my game. But if you know which way the ball's going to break and you can have it break a little bit, you can really, it, I like how it increases the mind games out there. You can start it one way, knowing that it's either gonna break into your opponent's body and jam them, or you can uh, serve it to the same location, have it break the other way and push them off the court. So 
Um, if this is continued to be allowed, I just I think as people master it, as they as they're able to do a lot more with it, I think it's really going to change the landscape of of singles for sure because. You know, if you're off balance, it might not be even if you want to return and get to the net, you might not have that luxury if you're if you're so far off the court. So um, I like I said, I see both sides. I've been on the fence about it for a long time, but I do like how it, it complicates. Oh, sorry. It complicates the uh, the patterns just enough to where I think uh, that extra variety is is more enjoyable to compete in. And I think adding that extra variety is more enjoyable to watch and, and to game plan against. I don't know. I don't know. You, you've been playing against it for a while. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if we'll see the, the, the Tyson McGuffin serve variation adding a little uh, side sidekick or not. But, uh, I feel like I got I got to get out there and show you what I've been doing. I think you know I think what? Help, man. I, uh, <laughs> I have not been a believer, but if it's going to help me, if it's going to help me beat some of the top dogs, I would not be opposed to this for sure. Um, Definitely give you a bigger a bigger target on that forehand if yeah, you can right, get it working. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, also, too, on that on that singles day, uh, we saw our girl Leia Jansen from Spokane. Um, she ended up... Uh, so Callie Smith, actually, uh, Callie's f- first or second round match, she plays Simone. Mm-hmm. And uh, beat Simone eight and seven. Yeah. And I know Leia was was a little worried because uh, nobody has seen Simone play singles for I don't know a couple months. Yeah. yeah so she hasn't played the last the last few for a little. Yeah. Bit. So Leia Leia kind of figured that she was going to be on her side. Well, Callie ends up beating Simone, and then Leia ends up beating Callie, and she beats Callie pretty handily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, obviously uh, Leia ended up playing the finals on Sunday. Uh, and then let's see here. Friday was mixed. Um, I ended up playing with Callie Smith. Uh, Callie and I ended up losing eight and seven to uh, Matt and Lucy. Um, won a couple in the back draw, and then we're playing AJ Kohler and Leia, and um, we're up like we're up big early. It was like seven one. And then 11-7, 13-11, and I'm not going to lie. It was definitely one of those weekends where um, I did not perform my best late in games. And mm. I always preach about playing right. playing my best, you know, late in games and bringing that little extra and, you know, bringing the intensity, bringing the, com- the competitiveness and um, just being bold in, you know, late in games, in those moments, in those pressure scenarios. And, uh, yeah, I just did not play well late in games, honestly. And uh, that that particular match, it was totally on me. I ended up, uh, I ended up like, missing a dink at 13-11, sped up at 13-12. Uh, it's funny how you remember all the yucky stuff that you did late in games, and I never remember anything positive that right, i've right. done late in games it's always just uh, it's always just the foul stuff just the error but yeah here, definitely the error missed there. the dink at 13 11 definitely sped up and the speed up went out at 13 mm. 12 brought to 13 all and i uh, don't know what happened after that but uh uh you know who played who played great was aj Kohler. leia played awesome aj played a lot of court yep. and uh aj's other uh nickname is chet subaru his alter ego also known as the tournament shirt guy, <laughs> there is multiple photos Best on on uh, his Chet Subaru Instagram page. Please go follow Chet Subaru. By the way, the guy the guy is a character. Yeah, where where can they find that? Do you know where they can find? Uh, well, that? Uh, I, I've watched so, the little so, so, Chet yeah, Subaru so look video. look at so Chet Subaru is is uh, AJ's alter ego. So there is a YouTube video 
that 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 highlights um, him as a player, Chet Subaru, and uh, pretty funny. He's like. He's got this like red, white, and blue headband on. He's got a, he's got a mustache and his hair's all. Con- he's got he's got he's Greasy got a wig. mullet. Yeah, he's got like this <laughs> this disgusting wig on and uh, and these khaki shorts and these old like sketcher shoes that are all beat up. Um, he's playing left handed. Right, right. Barking <laughs> at people for taking his ball. He's going to playing rec play and just being that you know that, that typical. That, kind of that typical that I think probably just about everybody has in their group, you know, yeah. a, a player who's who's decent but <laughs> thinks they're about five levels higher than they actually are, and they're you know always complaining about taking their ball. Right, right, but it's right. it, it's a it's a pretty good. It's laugh. My forehand, stay away from it. It's a pretty good laugh, and if you know it is, it if you is, know AJ, um, one one of the nicest guys yeah. uh, on tour as uh, well. He is, he's so for it's, sure. It's, it's there's a there's that. a video after Championship Sunday, and Chet Subaru is caught in action taking the taking the Orlando Cup trophy and running out to the parking lot with it. He's got well, he's got his he's got his headband on. Right. He's got his pad on his left hand. He Watch steals, out. Steals the trophy he from somebody <laughs> gets the heck out of it. Uh, but what I was going to say is that there's multiple photos and this is what makes AJ just a complete legend. There's multiple photos on on AJ's Instagram page, not Chet Subaru, AJ's Instagram page. And it's at APP events, and it's him on the podium with the actual APP tournament shirt on. I mean, when you play your medal match, or I, I guess when you play the whole day, if you're if you're a pro player and you play the whole day in the tournament shirt, I mean, you are a complete legend. <laughs> um, and uh, most of us, after a while, probably never once wear our yeah right. Shirts, right. I mean, you, yeah, they right. go straight into the garbage yeah. after you've accumulated about ten of them. What are you going to do with a- more? But AJ just adds that. He's to found his, a way. He's a- found a way to get some use out. Of adds it. that to his wardrobe. <laughs> um, but um, AJ in that particular match in in mixed lobbed really well, used his hands very well, scrambled well. I mean, honestly, there there wasn't a whole lot. He didn't do well. Um, they actually ended up making a great run. They they made the bronze medal match. Yep. They're up 11-8, 10-6 against Matt Wright and Lucy Kovalova. And um, I'm going to say they got Matt Wright. Okay, I'm gonna say they got Matt Wright. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna tread lightly here. They got lawyered. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tread <laughs> lightly here because I've you know I, I've had a couple run-ins with that man, but. Uh, uh, so there was so I'm just gonna say this to start the day out on Saturday, all the referees uh, when they were doing their referee spiel to start the match and they were given all the instructions, they specifically said, be sure not to interrupt or to stop the point while it's going. So that was that was like a message that all the referees said to each each team. Saturday morning, and it all stemmed from uh, in that mixed bronze match. Uh, Mr. Wright called the hindrance call because AJ grunted, and then uh, there was another time where uh, Matt and Lucy uh, like stopped play because AJ was at the kitchen line and he's hitting overheads, and Matt and Lucy are back at the baseline defending those overheads, and uh, somebody stopped the point and said that the ball didn't bounce. 
And so um, there was two particular times in that mm. match. A hindrance call was called because AJ grunted, apparently. And then another one because they were back defending and the ball did not come up. Um, Do you but, know after he stopped play what the, the referees did? Did they allow that to just be played so, again? Yeah, so that's okay. that's where it gets very interesting. Okay. And and the interesting thing is that uh, the match was not filmed. The, the match was not streamed. So not like really nobody saw what uh, what occurred. It was just obviously the people in the stands that actually witnessed everything. But let's just say that the referee got grinded down a little bit mm. and forced him to kind of maybe let somebody manage the match. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I certainly and, wouldn't want to be the referee in that oh, situation. Oh gosh, no. And, and I haven't even watched the play; just heard about it. But to me, it just seems like you can't allow a player to stop the point in the middle of the point when you're in a yeah, defensive yeah, position. Sure. I mean, you got to just maybe make a judgment call after the point's been played out, and right. it sounds like that's why they. Tried to clean that up for the next day, <laughs> <laughs> but but yes, it was not streamed, and so uh, nobody got to witness a match um, uh, online. And um, I, I guess watching it live was something to witness, if you know what I mean. But um, uh, and then let's uh, see here. So men's men's and women's doubles was uh, was on that Saturday. AJ Kohler. Again, ended up playing him and J-Dub in the winner's bracket quarter. And we're up, you know, we're cruising. We're up 11-6, Match or game slips out of our hands in game two. They ended up winning game two, like 10-12 or something like that. We're up 9-6 in game three. Every stinking doubles match that I had this, or sorry, every uh, doubles match that I lost this weekend, I was up. And uh, it just seemed like I could not win big matches uh, in doubles, if you know what I mean. It was just one of those weekends. But, um, so yeah, we're up 9-6, game three against J-Dub and AJ. And in that particular match, I'm pretty sure AJ lobbed us anywhere from 10 to 15 times. And the guy was just a lob slut. Bringing the lob back. Jeez Louise. I mean, our shorts were down at our ankles the whole time. I mean, AJ, this guy disguised his speed up up the line extremely well, which yeah. kept Rye honest and yeah. which probably put Rye in a position where he wasn't ready for the lob. And on top of that, not only was he, you know, speeding up line and, and holding the speed up, but he would also take uh he would take that same look and he would lob cross court. And I mean, shit, probably 10 to 15 lobs that were all pretty close to the uh, baseline. And he used the same type of lob um, in the men's final and and did it very, very successfully. It's kind of cool. It seems like the last few tournaments, a few players have showed that, you can, that lob. you can still use it. They even all got it from Callum Dawson. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> He's the pioneer. Of he the, is. The, the men's the pro old Dawson lob. lob. Yeah. Well, I think the, the Dawson lob, signature. The lob's been a play in mixed, right? And yeah. That it's been used sure. or indoors a little bit more, but they're starting to, to prove it can be used even against two very athletic guys if you're thinking about, you know, the right location. I mean, no, I'm a big fan of that. Cross court lob, yeah. You know when you're yeah. on the right side. Was he For mostly sure. playing the right when when you yeah yeah he, uh, he kind of played. He played both sides, but okay. uh, primarily on on the right. Uh, what it it kind of got to a point where at the end of game three, like since I wasn't able to get anything out of AJ dinking cross court, we had to isolate J Dub. So here we are, going going 
totally against what our main strength is, which is keeping me on the right, having right. me grind somebody out cross right, court. Right. Once we get a ball that I can work with, I can speed up, or I, mean, I can maybe give them some bait and have them speed up at ride, where I can beat them head to head. Well, we had to go against Plan A, you know, and and so so now we're trying to isolate J Dub. J Dub is in front of me. Riley's dinking cross court with J Dub, and. Um, yeah, we, we ended up losing 9-11, game three. But J-Dub played extremely well. AJ played out of his head. And honestly, AJ was uh, was like the player of the weekend for me. I mean, played played well in mix, played well in men's, um, showed that he belonged. Seemed like he had confidence in, in the big moments, played extremely well on the big points. And not only did he bring the offense, but he scrambled well. Um and, and I, I think with that partnership, if you're playing with J-Dub, you know, uh, J-Dub is young. He doesn't talk a whole lot um, socially. He's just a little quiet. So it seemed like uh, AJ did a great job being the leader, dictating uh, dictating not only the energy but the, but the tactics and the general strategy kind of in that partnership. So he played well, man. He played well. Yeah, everybody's been, AJ been Kohler. Talking, yeah, everybody's been talking about J-Dub, obviously, after his TOC win and He's obviously improved a ton, and he's very young, but uh, to me, in the last year, AJ's probably the most improved player, especially because he improved already being in his 30s. You know what I mean? It wasn't sure. go from 18 to 19 where you expect that big leap forward. A lot of people get really stagnant uh, after they're already that age, and I, he's you know established himself as a consistent top player, and I don't think he was that that level a year ago. I played against him a couple of times, and he seems like a completely different player now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so kudos to those guys. Those guys yep. ended up playing. Uh, yeah, they made the finals. Right and Johns in the finals. Lost in three. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Championship Sunday, women's singles finished in three, men's doubles finished in three, um, and then men's singles. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> it's the same freaking story. Finished in three. Um, so. Uh, out of the five uh, finals on that Sunday, three of them all finished in three. Uh, women's final, it was awesome to see the Waters um, get their first PPA title, and, yeah. and it was great to see them get a win over Lucy and Simone. Uh, I'm not going to say a whole lot, but I believe that that partnership is going to be a little different next year. Hmm. Um, so so we'll, so we'll see what happens with that. But... Uh, Anna Lee played great. Uh, they obviously isolated Lee in that match. That's what they generally do. Yeah. And uh, I thought Lee did a great job of, uh, you know, she was slicing well cross court. She was able to use her two-handed backhand speed up. She used her hands great. Uh, Anna Lee in, inserted herself at the right time. But particularly, I, I thought that uh, obviously Lee was kind of the X factor in that scenario. She's going to see the most balls. And, uh, and it kind of seemed like Lee... Uh, believe they could do it that day, and she uh, uh, did a lot of things well yeah. on the left side. Yeah, it seems like she she found that that balance of patience and aggression really yeah. really well, and yeah. just kind of let Anna Lee be the the phenom that she is for certain stretches. So um, yeah, they, I thought they played really really well. I I wouldn't have put them as the favorite in mm -hmm. that one, so yeah. credit to them for for pulling through. Yeah, for sure. I think I think Duper uh, had. Uh, I think Duper had Simone and Lucy winning like sixty-five uh, percent or something like that, or seventy percent. Sounds about right. It's kind of I mean, it's kind of cool. On, they they the show that little uh, Duper radar, you know. Um, but uh, Ben was projected. Ben was like seventy-five percent against me, something like that. Um, 
So uh, you can't feel too bad about no, that. No, 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 no. But, but yeah. it's it's nice to it's nice to kind of see that algorithm, and it's it's cool to see some of the graphics that that they're doing behind the data. And um, did they have that shown on yeah, the tennis yeah, channel yeah, coverage? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I so they that. I so they that. showed the duper graphics and some of the analytics and uh, some of the winning scales and stuff like that. So it's cool. Uh, cool, cool to see that. Let's see here, Did people you, are going to need that for the for the sports betting that's going to start, and I'm not sure exactly when that's going to. I think it actually, when that's going to. I, I think in. it starts Texas Open. I could Texas, be wrong. Though. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Um, so it, it had rained on that Saturday. We were not able to finish uh, most of the matches that were supposed to be played, and uh, I know uh, in particular that the PPA has been taking. Taking some abuse by the amateurs for canceling the event on that Saturday. I don't know all the details behind it, but I know that the PPA obviously canceled that day. I don't. I don't know if there were refunds, but the PPA is taking some heat right now mm. on the forum um, over you know the way they handled that the way they situation. handled the the rain and the right. scheduling and stuff like that. Um, so. Uh, be kind of interesting to see what what happens there. At the end of the day, obviously these uh, tours don't have control over the rain. Nobody has control over the weather. But, How uh, did it work for amateurs as far as watching uh, the pro level matches? Did they have access to that by participating, or did they have to? I know some tournaments you have some you've had to purchase an yes, additional pass. Yes, yep, as yep. a spectator. Uh, I believe most of the PPA events, maybe uh, maybe it's half are free. I know this one. Since it was at the USTA National Nicer, Campus, bigger venue. Um, they were charging for day passes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, to me, I mean, I don't know exactly how they handled it. I, I, you know, I feel like if you're gonna, you know, completely cancel, cancel the the bracket, maybe gotta give them a throw refund. Them, yeah, well, like, throw a refund or, or you know, throw them a, at least a free spectator pass to, to yeah, come watch sure. the watch the pros or something like that. But right, right. Um, yeah, not a fun position to be in. There's a lot of uh, no tough decisions and probably when you're with weather like that no matter which road you take you're gonna bother somebody or offend somebody so not a fun position to be in for those guys it's not for sure uh talking about women's singles annalee waters played great she played our girl leah jensen and uh i think we uh we can we can both agree that annalee played extremely well i thought i thought leah played uh she played well she probably did not play her best but uh, Annalie took it, and she took it with some dominance. I'll tell you what; it was uh, it was pretty short and sweet. What was it like six two and four? Or? Something close to that. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think Leia got more than six, yeah. and it was straights for sure. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think when they played that that five setter um, recently was San Clemente. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, Annalie, I believe, won the first two and then Leia came back and won the next three. So I, I'm yeah. sure that was in the back of Annalie's mind to to not let it slip away. And honestly, I think uh, going forward, you know, it, it's it's the makings of a great rivalry, yeah, which I sure. think women's singles really, uh, of all the events, like women's singles needs that boost a little bit. We want to see more players in there. We want to see uh, the top ladies, you know, take it seriously. I know Leia is. I know Anna Lee is. And so I expect them to meet in a lot more finals. And I know that just conversations I've had with Leia, that definitely lit the fire under her. And she's good. looking to, to you know, find another level in her game. And I'm sure Anna Lee will as well. So it's good for the sport. And I, I know both of us were, were, <laughs> were disappointed. I tried to give Leia some tips before the match. And Anna Lee just played so darn good she with played, her passes early. Out. 
it was tough to tough to to slow her down, but uh, I'm sure there'll be many more uh, big Battles. matches like that between those two. Yeah, and Anna Lee's a great starter. I would say out of all the starters that I've seen play, um, I think she kind of uh, she she really focuses on bringing the energy early, uh, finding her best stuff early, and uh, just like what Cobb mentioned, like in that San Kameni, uh, you know, best best of five uh, she was up two games to zero she was playing extremely well uh, I was hoping Orlando was going to go in the same fashion um, Leia just wasn't able to kind of bring that little added extra that that she needed in game three to kind of push her in Orlando but in that match in San Kameni um, Leia was she she brought more energy and she was able to find some of her best stuff in that third game and um, uh, which 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 in turn put some pressure on Anna Lee. Anna Lee's level dropped a little bit, and that's where kind of Leia was able to run off with three games in a row. And I honest, and I was just I had this conversation with Kyle before the podcast. I think you know with Anna Lee's um, not going to say age, but just uh, with how bold she is, with how consistent she is, with how she doesn't feel uh, like a tremendous amount of pressure. Right. Uh, she's a very good starter, and she can go off, and she can have a complete highlight reel um but i think if you make make her just 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 for once second guess some of her drops or some of her offense like leia did in san Kamini, um and she made her second guess some of the offense just by leia's level being like a notch or two better in that particular moment Anna Lee, i think kind of second guess some of her offense and which which resulted in her level dropping Leia was able to kind of pick it up, and then she obviously won three games in a row. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Anna Lee is, is just a prime example of somebody who starts really well. And yeah, if you can't if you can't find some of your best stuff, or if you can't match her level, um, she will never feel pressure. And um, I thought it, I thought it was kind of funny. You know, I'm watching the watching the live you know on tennis channel, and um, you know they're giving it backstory on Anna Lee, backstory on Leia, and at one point I think they referred to Leia as like the the veteran on the scene between the two. And it was funny, Leia and I were talking yesterday about it, and she's like, <laughs> um, Anna Lee was already like practically a national champion before Leia had even started really playing pickleball. So it's funny you forget because Anna Lee's only fourteen; like she's been doing this for a bit now. She has, yeah. Uh, sure. So she actually has quite a bit of experience, which is crazy yeah. for a fourteen-year-old, but. Um, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny that, that in that pairing, Leia was the veteran and Anna Lee was new. And it's kind of, That's if fine. you know the history, it's kind of the opposite yeah, in a yeah, way. Right, All right, for sure. Uh, and then we have the mix final. Kudos to Rye and Catherine. They got their first mixed uh, Orlando Cup, got their first uh, title together. Um, I know they've been knocking at the door for uh, a couple tournaments now. So happy to see those guys yep. on top of the podium. Um, but what the real story is, is that Deckel Barr and Vivian David, I mean, it wasn't even close. Yeah. It wasn't even close. It was he four and fly it, around the court. It was he? four. Did you, did you watch it? I did. It was did. four and yeah. seven. Yeah. And how creative that man is with his Ernie and how much he can dictate with the serve and the drive. Yep. And then the last little category is how clubby, how clubby. That engage pursuit black magic is. I mean, my oh my, that thing is a thumper. 
Um, I mean, Deckel obviously is what, what, six, 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 five, six, four. Yeah, at least six, okay. six, three, six, let's, six, let's, three to six, five. I don't think he's, he's six, six, but so he's uh, six, four. Okay. Um, big man. Um, the serve is a bomb. The, the drive is a bomb, but like, you know, aside from that, how creative he was with dinking out of the air, he, he like, Used his inside-out dink super well. He was able to slide middle when when Ben dinked aggressively back cross court. Deckel did not look unathletic. He was able to get there, um, played good defense, dinked aggressively, was able to speed up at Simone, and not gonna lie, fluffed uh, fluffed his chest up to uh, Ben and shown Ben that he can play some pretty good mixed. And uh, Vivian played great. I mean, aside from Deckel being a big dog, fluffing his chest, letting Ben know. Uh, who the boss is in that particular match. Uh, Vivian uh, did uh, great things on the right. Yeah, she's still going to play the majority of the balls, right? For and, sure. Always in a, in a mixed pairing. And Deckel maybe planted some seeds of doubt with as active as he was. But yeah, I have to give her credit. That's a lot of grinding with Simone, right? Yeah. Where you're basically playing, a, well. ba- playing used, a backboard out there. Used the two-hand counter well yep. when Ben came at her. Yep, yep. That's not easy to do. Another... One of the people who's on the the most improved list, I would say, in the last year or so. She's right at right at the top of that list, especially in her doubles game. Yeah, yeah. She for was sure. a singles, just kind of a singles only player a couple yeah. of years ago, and she's really put a lot of time into her doubles game, and it shows. Not always easy to be consistent as a, as a female when a guy is that active, or or when a guy is that big like a Deco, and he's trying to be active, and he's yeah. like, and you see limbs all all around you, right? He's he's taking right. balls off your inside foot. You have a limb like. You know, off of a high ball in the middle. Anyhow, it's tough for a female to like really stay organized when a guy is that aggressive. And she played very consistent uh, with the conditions of, you know, Deckel just doing a lot out there. Yeah, we talked about the lob earlier being a play that's starting to be used more. I think part of the reason you're going to continue to see that be used more is as people are getting more active like Deckel and sliding over middle, but still being able to Ernie and cover a lot of court when you go back behind them with a, with a speed up or a dink, sometimes that lob over the shoulder is a great play. That's tough to have covered in addition to the speed up. So as people add more weapons, the patterns are going to get more complicated. And I just think it makes watching matches and, and devising a game plan for matches so much more fun. Yeah, it does for sure. Um, okay, another podcast that I've been watching has nothing to do with pickleball. Um, if you guys follow the Nelk Boys, they're like YouTube creators. Um, dude, dude named Kyle. It's like him and all of his buddies who make a bunch of prank videos and just a bunch of silly stuff. Uh, but they have a podcast. It's now called the Full Send Podcast. They've had like Jake Paul. Full Send, yeah. Full Send. <laughs> they've had... <laughs> They've had uh, Jake Paul, Dennis Rodman, Dana White, uh, Jordan Belfort. Uh, okay, so they're pretty big. Uh, they're getting those uh, yeah, yeah. Names, yeah. I mean, it's it's rated the number one podcast uh, in in the world. Wow. And uh, yeah, they're getting anywhere from like four to five million views. But uh, Jordan Belfort, uh, I watched it last night. He's the uh, if you've seen the movie Wolf on Wall yeah, Street, yeah. he is that guy. He's that guy. The real, I mean, some of the, the stories real. are just insane. Insane. How this man is still alive? Uh, absurd. But, I mean, uh, as crazy as the movie was, I mean, I think that's all based on like real, real yeah. events. So yeah. he's he. Uh, I I've seen various podcasts with uh, Jordan Belfort. Uh, one another one is uh, his uh, episode with uh, Impulsive. 
Logan Paul's podcast. But anyhow, it's pretty pretty silly. But yeah, if you guys if you guys get a chance, if you're looking to watch some more content, um, Full Send Podcast, number one podcast in the world. Uh, I believe Shaq was just on there too. Anyhow, lots of cool stuff. Um, and if you want to follow somebody else on YouTube, um, probably it's more for the younger generation, but, uh, uh, the Nelk boys are pretty silly. Uh, I would say they're probably, uh, like the, the content Kings on, on YouTube with like, you know, prank, silly prank videos. Uh, the, they gotta get you on there. That'd be good for pickleball. That would right? be sick. There's, <laughs> there's another guy named Salim the dream. And uh, I'm going to show Kyle the, the video after this uh, pod episode. But, like, some of his pranks, are, they're so silly. It's of him, like, moaning in somebody's ear at, like, a Walmart. <laughs> I, just, I mean, just literally. Fully random. Just like, yeah. a, like a full moan. And then Salim will, like, the people will be like, dude, dude, like, what are you doing? And Salim, like, looks at him and he acts like, like he can't talk. Right. I mean, pfft. Just and some, it's just filming their so, reactions. Yeah, it's like right? live reaction. Some of the feedback is just, is, I mean, the s- stuff is absurd. Um, <laughs> but Salim the Dream, Nelk Boys, but the podcast is called Full Send Pod. Full Send. I don't remember that Full one. Full Send. Okay, U.S. Open Finals. Uh, Emma and uh, Danny Medvedev. Uh, Medvedev, the guy... Uh, believed he believed he believed and he broke once each set and uh, did it four four and four. It's pretty crazy boom, boom, too boom. with you know tennis modern tennis with all the top players just having amazing technique spending decades to develop it and he has kind of some unorthodox <laughs> strokes uh, hits a pretty flat ball That's yet yucky. he's kind of a baseline grinder which usually doesn't yeah, kind does. of go hand in hand and uh, guy's a ball striker. I remember it was the last year or the year before where he was getting booed. At the U.S. Open, yeah, just yeah. used it for fuel. He did, he did. Played the bad guy uh-huh. role, and he almost won the Open. He did. Uh, last year, I believe, so. He did. Uh, happy for him, but I don't think, I think just about everybody felt like Djokovic was going to find a way, you know, yeah, that he was going to find that's, a way. That's just what given, we always think, given, Joker's going to do success, Joker things. Yeah. Even even at the end, you know, because I, I started just watching right at the end, and I, I think uh, maybe Djokovic broke back, or yeah. Uh, Is that but, what happened? Sorry, he was, okay. clo- he was closing out the match, and uh, he had, I believe, match point. Um, and he served like two or three double faults in a row because the crowd wouldn't quiet down. Was he down. up two breaks in the fourth? He was up double breaks. In the third? Up, got uh, it, got the it. Third. He was up a double Sorry. break. And I believe uh, the crowd wouldn't shut up. He looked at the ref and he's like, all right, I guess I'll serve. And he either double faulted, I think, twice in a row and then maybe lost or maybe he double faulted three in a row yeah, it's, it's and then eventually closed it down yeah. the next time through. But you're yeah. waiting, you're thinking, could this be it, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, I've watched enough of Djokovic's finals I mean, against Federer, you know. French, where, the French yeah, Open? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just the recent one. So you're always wondering, can he do it again? And just credit to Medvedev for, for shutting the door. But yeah, no, for sure. Can you imagine the emotion he's feeling as he double faults that first break away? Um, but he held it, held it together. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, uh, did you watch the women's match? I didn't. I didn't. I just heard it was a, a pretty, pretty gutty performance by yeah. a couple of, a couple of gals that, that people didn't think were gonna be there. So yeah, uh, Emma's from uh, Great Great Britain. Okay, so Emma Radicuni. Uh, I could be pronouncing uh, her last name wrong, but uh, she's ranked 150 in the world. Uh, she wins four matches in qualies, doesn't lose a set, and then wins. Seven matches in the main draw. Doesn't lose a set. Crazy. 
Talk about finding your best stuff at the Crazy. right moment. 11 matches in a row. And that's unreal. How deep is the women's game? I mean, to go from 150th and then just yeah. take a yeah. major. You just don't um, see that. You don't see that in the men's game in the same way. Cinderella story on the women's side, that's for sure. Uh, you have youngster Layla Fernandez and then Emma Rad- Radicuni. Is that how you pronounce it? Um, anyhow, try, both. I'll butcher it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both youngsters, 18 years old. I think so. I think Layla was 19. But a uh, couple, couple of new stars in uh, women's tennis, that's for sure. Um, so yeah, it was cool to see that. But uh, crazy, 11 ma- four matches in qualies, doesn't lose a set. Seven matches in the main draw, doesn't lose a set. Take that. Speaks first, to the importance of first confidence, major. right? Yep. When you're confident, it shows what you can pull off. You just expect right. to win when, when everything's rolling. Guess, guess what her total earnings were before she won the U.S. Open? Just take a guess. Like 20 grand? No, 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 no. It was like uh, three hundred twenty thousand. Her. And how much? Did, how much did she get for winning her whole it? tennis career? So three. Million, uh, she got one point five. One point five. Boom. Pretty good payday. Come on, take that. Come on, pickleball. I want to know on, what. I want to know what her uh, social media uh, numbers are uh, after two weeks at the Open, and you know, all all the media, the interviews, and you know. Just being being seen in that light. Well, yeah, like you said, it's it, the one point five million just scratches the surface of what yeah, the what exposure really, yeah, and all the other sure. money and the yeah, sponsors so and all the other opportunities that she's gonna have now. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see here. Okay, um, uh, it's something I also wanna wanna note here is that Joker. Um, I mean, it was it was kind of cool. Uh, I mean, to see the crowd be on his side in his post match interview. And I can't remember what what the quote was, but he said that it was it was more powerful hearing from the U.S. Open crowd that, that they were like behind him right. than it was to actually win the U.S. Open. Like it I was would, it was it was more meaningful for him to know that the fans after what happened in 2020 and just how the fans have been to him, it was yeah. more meaningful yeah. to know the fans were behind him for him to actually win. Yeah, the he's had to pull through being not the fan it, favorite, it, and yeah. you know you wonder how much that bothers somebody over the years and years, and it's like, well, what do you have to do to be accepted when you're winning that much? Sure. So, yeah, I, I was wondering if that would mean a lot to him because it was definitely the opposite of what I've remembered yeah. his matches being like. Yeah, I remember watching uh, second set in the finals. Uh, he's playing Medvedev, and uh, he it was like 2-1 on serve. He had break points to go up 3-1. I think he had a couple. It was, a couple, it was like a, a, a long deuce game. Anyhow, he ends up losing that game, breaks a racket. And I thought, usually when Joker breaks a racket, it like gets him going and he can he can find it. He finds that and gear. He, and it heads towards the right direction. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he wasn't able to. So, But kudos to Medvedev, man. The guy, the guy played rock solid. The guy's a shot maker. And I mean, just like what you mentioned, technique is so unorthodox, but the guy fights well and uh, absorb pace. Really well, it's, yep. you know, takes the backhand super early, rides, rides, rides the baseline to a certain degree. Yeah, his body control has to just be yeah. on another level with yeah. his balance and everything. But talk about earning and the, earning your first major. Yeah, and the guy's a mover too, man. I mean, just scrappy, you know, counter puncher, but can also step in, absorbs pace really well. It's got a goofy looking serve, um, but uh, any sort of short ball that is short that is sitting inside the court gets thumped yep. and flattens it out. The guy's just, I both mean. Both sides. Yeah, both sides. Both sides. Yeah, for pretty sure. Flat. For sure. And in that match, took the backhand up the line a lot, if you, if you saw that. But 
was able to kind of like he'd go back in a backhand with Joker Cross, and then it seemed like he was the he was the first, or he was like the yeah, he was he, a little more bold. Yeah, he was a bit, bit more bold and kind of trusted the backhand up the line and really kept Joker honest and. Uh, it seemed like he was able to open up the court from there. but um, That's been one of what Djokovic usually does to his opponents, yeah, right? Yeah. He's able to change direction and kind take of play that two-hander early. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Take it up the line. Who can who can take the two-hander up the line first? Got a taste of his own Come medicine. On, got a little taste. <laughs> got a little taste. And, that, and that's what the commentators were saying early on was that in the previous matches, Medvedev just wasn't, uh, wasn't trusting changing direction early or wasn't being aggressive enough with changing direction and was just maybe being a little too stubborn with his patterns going cross court. Um, and so, uh, yeah, you know, you bring the offense and you and you dictate and you're able to beat, uh, you know, some of the best players in the world. Crazy. Okay, so APP ATL. Uh, I did not realize this, but uh, so the, the Johns boys are playing. Uh, so we have, we have the Johns boys and men's. I also saw that uh, Ben is playing with Lolo in mixed, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, Let's that's the first time. See how that, that sure duo do, does. I'm sure they'll do well. Um, and I would assume Benny is playing singles as well. Yeah, so a little bigger purse. This is a, a $60,000 $60, purse. So a few more of the, the big names that normally play just the PPA or... Are here, so yeah, it should be some really good teams. So Dylan and and JW are kind of my sleeper team to to make a podium. Um, but yeah, obviously Ben and Colin be the favorite, but also Pat and Jay will be right there. So yep. yeah, a lot of a lot of big names for this one. Uh, take us take us through your predictions with the uh, mixed here. Let me go to mixed here. Let me find that. Uh, let's see. We have uh, Stone and Carr, Johnson, Stratman. Um, Jansen and Divier, Coop and Navato, Hewitt and Ansbury. Hey, you can't, you cannot count out Cassidy and Barr. No, no, uh, I know, I know, I know. You never count them out. I don't. I've been a fan of both of them. I uh -huh. just, I feel like they bring oh, a yeah. lot of intangibles, oh, yeah. and like you said, they they maximize what they're able to do. They maximize. They do. Their they ability. do. They do. And it's and it's not a team you want to play. It's it's a it's a team you know you're gonna have to put a lot of balls in play you're gonna have to put a lot of balls away that like you know two ball limit it's probably gonna turn into about three or four balls when they're you know back back defending playing playing good defense. So I'll take uh yeah I'll take Ben and Lauren, and but I I, I like uh, I like a matchup of Leia and Jay in yeah. the finals that's that's the top two and then. Why not? I'll go with the. I'm gonna go with Cassidy and Susanna sneaking in there for the oh, bronze. Yeah. I mean, there's some yeah. other good teams, but I feel like yep. uh, I feel like, I like they have it. a shot for sure. I like it. I like it. Um, so yeah. So uh, be sure to tune in to APP ATL this weekend. Um, it's gonna be on ESPN Plus, and it'll be on the APP's YouTube channel. Um, I know there's a hurricane right now in uh, in Georgia or in Atlanta. Uh, and uh, so I, I was looking at some of the posts last night that were made by the referees that were um, that were refing late last night, and they're actually playing at the facility in Griffin that we taught at. Oh, that's a really oh, nice yeah. facility. It is. It is. Uh, yeah, there is nothing in that town. Right, no, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing around it. God, there's nothing. I wondered me, did why you, there weren't bigger events. Did there, you find really a casino nice there? 
No, you know, so I've actually, when I used to, to sell with traveling sales, it's, you don't really find much in the way of casinos <laughs> in Georgia. I think I found some back alley bar one time, oh, yeah. super sketchy, but yeah, uh, right. no, no, not, uh, not much as far as gambling in the South. But at yeah, least in Georgia. But yeah, I was. Uh, there was a post last night uh, by like Ron Ponder, who's a referee, like like me and some Ron. And Ron yeah, was he's saying, a good guy. yeah, yeah, he had like left the venue late, and there was those four covered courts. Remember? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was raining so hard that like uh, three of the covered courts were still pretty wet. They getting were, it in from the side. Yeah, they were yeah. able just to use one. So. But anyhow, it's a super nice facility. Kyle and I have taught there. It sounds like it's uh, there's a there's a hurricane taking place in that area, so it's probably going to be rainy and and wet. But um, might be a few rain delays with the coverage. But if they can keep yeah, if they can keep a couple of the courts dry, they sure. had that uh, whatever that the surfaces that they they have above the kind of the metal the covered structure. Yeah, yep, covered yep. structure. Um, so make sure to tune into that. Uh, Seahawks, Seahawks got a got a W this last weekend. Good to see they're one and zero so far. So hoping to uh, uh, keep that train moving. Maybe Sports, this is their year. Maybe, maybe this is maybe their this year. Is Sports it. are back, baby. College yeah. football, NFL football. Um, good to see. Good, good to see. Good to see. It's been a while. It it's has. Been a while. It has. <laughs> um, if you guys have not, uh, if there's any Drake lovers out there. Uh, three songs in particular that I've had on repeat for the last probably two weeks since his album came out was uh, uh, No Friends in the Industry is one, Knife Talk is two, and the other is Way Too Sexy. Way Too Sexy. Um, but uh, yeah, if you guys get a chance, definitely check out that album. I've posted a bunch on my stories about uh, about songs that I've been listening to. So yeah, Meg's, Meg's due any day here, so we're just kind of patiently waiting um, I am, uh, I'm not playing PPA Vegas, uh, next weekend. I, uh, bowed out. So we're just patiently waiting on this baby boy, waiting for Mac Daddy to get here. Probably a smart, uh, husband choice. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. Happy don't, wife. Happy don't life. Wanna, don't want to be in the doghouse. No, no, no. It's don't want to, don't want to be in the doghouse. Not going to do you any favors. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, my, my, my mom is moving here today. So at some point she's going to be calling me to, to have me help her move in. So your mom's move officially. So my, my mom and moving, brother. Moving yep. Mom and brother from, you know, Troy. Yeah. 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 yeah T Roy. Uh, so they're moving from Seattle over to, uh, post falls and they're actually going to be at Tullamore. Oh, no way. Oh, yeah. They're going to yeah. be right there. They're right oh, there. Sweet. Right there. Oh, yeah. Troy's all about it. His game certainly got a lot better <laughs> last year. Oh, yeah. Troy's oh, yeah. got some games. He does. He does. Yeah. Yeah. Troy's uh, Troy's my stepbrother. He's uh, 42. Uh, pickleball has changed his life. Lost a bunch of weight. Gained, gained some confidence. Yep. Started, started you know, uh, uh, dating around. He wasn't really into, you know, dating beforehand. Didn't really socialize. And pickleball has kind of given him, like, this new new look on life. And Amazing how many stories there no, are it's cool, there like man, that. For sure. You know, for sure. You get healthier. You get more social. You get oh, yeah. happier. It just checks a lot of boxes for a lot of people. It, it does. It does. Um, so, anyhow, so they're going to be, they're driving over today. So, uh, I'm waiting on that phone call so I can uh, put my mover hat on and help, uh, help, them move in all their all their stuff. Well, that's gonna be awesome. She'll be close to the close to her grandbabies. Close, close. Yeah. So she's gonna be close to grandbabies, and then uh, we have an au pair moving in in two weeks. We got a lot of a lot of stuff happening. Baby coming in, mom moving in, bros moving in, and then uh, 
Uh, we have an au pair that, that should be here in a couple of weeks. No rest for the weary, man. You no get home rest. You're traveling and you're, you're back on. You're back on. Yeah. So went from having zero help, Meg kind of doing it, or Meg and I doing it all by ourselves, to now we'll have some family here. We'll have my mom, uh, you know, my brother, and then an au pair. Her name is Bianca. She's from Brazil. Oh, well. And uh, we've talked to her on the phone a couple times, but she's going to be living at our residence uh, here in about two weeks. So. Bianca. Well, congrats. You Bianca. Guys, oh, yeah. As much as you guys have going on, any help you can get is probably very needed. We need point. help. You yeah, guys uh, sure. bite off a lot. We do. <laughs> that way. Yeah. That's awesome, though. Um, Kyle, any last thoughts here for the viewers? Or, uh, hey, if you have an instructional nugget that you want to, or if you want to pass some knowledge. Feel yeah, free. yeah. Mine's uh, just more of a kind of a mindset thing. We talk a lot about strategy and, um, you know, game plan. Um I would just say, you know, obviously it's important to have a game plan going into a match and it's important to have a, you know, a plan B, if you will, as well. But I would say my advice is when you're making taking those timeouts, if things aren't going your way, it doesn't automatically mean that you need to switch up what you're doing and, and throw out the original game plan. I think you want to try your best in those moments to be self-aware and say, well, is this an example of, you know, what I what I thought would work isn't working? Or am I just simply not executing because of nerves or some other right. factors? So I think it's important uh, to be willing to change and not be stubborn, but at the same time, uh, make that recognition of if it's just your level's just not there and you know that you're going to find it, maybe don't throw that game plan out um, You know, at the, the first sign of trouble. But uh, it's just something that's helped me. Um, uh, anything, anything you have, Tyson? Words of wisdom? Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think, you know, something that I experienced this last weekend was, um, you know, I always talk about, it's not about, it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. Well, this this last weekend, uh, I started okay, and I did not finish good. Um, so it was one of those things where I had a hard time really finding my best stuff. And, uh, and so, yeah, it just kind of makes me go back to the drawing board a little bit, makes me uh, maybe reconsider my mindset going in or just makes me, makes me think about why I wasn't able to find some of my best stuff late in those games. And, um, I I think what I've kind of come down to is that like initially when I, when I got down there, like I, I really just never quite got comfortable, um, never quite got comfortable in, in practice Tuesday, never quite got comfortable in practice Wednesday, and uh, obviously practiced, you know, singles Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, and, uh, you know, something that I'm going to do in the future is that if I'm not quite comfortable Tuesday or Wednesday, um, I'm not just going to think that, like, come Thursday I'm going to have it. Like, I'm going to probably maybe go back and practice again or um, I, I – I, I think the the best way to go about it is obviously if I don't practice well Tuesday or if I don't practice well Wednesday morning, go back and just have a later practice. So kind of uh, end on a good note. Yeah, 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 yeah. End on a good note. But I think uh, you know, uh, I didn't I didn't play a whole lot of doubles leading up to the tournament, so that could have played a part as well. I was kind of more focused on singles, but. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I, I just need to get like a double session in Tuesday or Thursday. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just felt a little bit uncomfortable on the court as I was playing. You know, in in mixed and in men's, felt felt much much better in singles, obviously. But um, uh, I think it just comes to show that like when I get down there, um, 
I really need to get that double session in just to kind of get some touches. And I mean, honestly, like I, I spent, I think I spent like two and a half weeks not playing any doubles because right. anytime, anytime we're home, we, we really never play doubles. It's always right. just half court stuff. It's very so, rare that we have four. Yeah. yeah. So it's just kind of tricky. Like I went into the tournament, you know, off of like two and a half weeks and I, I never really even touched the doubles court. And then I show up Friday morning and I play mix and I just, uh, it just comes to show like the importance of actually getting some touches on, on, on the doubles court. Um, because, uh, yeah, I just felt like I just didn't quite have it. Well, obviously totally different shots. No, 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 for needed, sure. Right. For sure, so it's completely different types of touches. Each of them help each other, but yeah, at the level that you're expecting to win at, for right. Sure. You've got to sure. have both dialed in. That makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, in important note is just to, uh, I need to get some touches in, you know, if I don't, if I don't practice doubles while I'm home for two weeks and I'm flying for a tournament on a Monday and it's that same format where it's, you know, uh, singles Thursday, mixed Friday, gender Saturday, uh, on that Tuesday, Thursday, I need to get some doubles touches in. So, um, other than that, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Be sure to like subscribe and turn those notifications on to the MacGuffin pickleball club. Uh, we have a camp coming up in Dallas, Texas, Heck directly yeah. after the Texas open, do it big in Texas. <laughs> Uh, the, the Texas style, Texas style, the camp is going to be on that Monday, Tuesday after it's going to be at the same venue that the PPA is hosting the tournament at, uh, and, uh, K Mac and I will be doing that camp. And then on that Wednesday, we're flying to OKC teaching a camp, uh, in Oklahoma city at the chicken and pickle on that Thursday, Friday. And then uh, flying home that Friday night. So check out the Dallas camp, check out the o OKC camp. And uh, my name is Tyson McGuffin. This is the McGuffin Show. See you guys later. Take care, guys.